Who are your friends? Who do you speak to about love, life and everything else that entails? I'm Jen Saderholm and I'm 40-something. And this is my friend Kirsty Fitzpatrick. She's 20-something. Despite or maybe in fact of our 20-year age gap, we've come to seek each other out for advice and feedback. We're more connected than you'd think, and that is why we've started this podcast, 2040, celebrating friendship across generations. 2040, podcast 18, I miss you. Kirsty. in this time of isolation, because we have more time, and I appreciate for you, you probably don't have more time, but a lot of us have less work commitments. Yes, we might have children at home, but I think there's more thinking time. And part of that thinking time, I've been aware in my circle of friends that Some of my friends have been contacting ex-loves, old friends, people they haven't been in touch with for a while because that need is there. And I have two friends with whom I have unresolved relationships and both of them I've been out of contact with for about one and a half to two years. One of which is because we had a falling out and the other is because they were going through some immensely heavy duty stuff. And I was finding it really hard to stay in contact with them, with the other things that I had going on in my life. I sort of said to myself, I must, this is, and there's no excuses. I have to get in touch with these people and just touch base and reconnect because I have the time. When I was your age, Kirsty, I had a girlfriend in high school and we would ring each other every afternoon. So what you guys sort of do on text that you can pick up and drop off, we were doing on the phone, we were talking and I got like phone limits and so on because of this nonstop phone talking. So last fortnight I have spent 12 hours on the telephone. Oh, wow. That's a long time. (laughs) It is a long time. And it's been a emotional time because not only is there the two friends I've just mentioned, but one of my girlfriends is in the midst of a really nasty domestic situation and she checked in doing the text thing and I'd had that whole sense of this is not good enough. I have to put some time aside so we can debrief. So we had two hours on the telephone and I feel guilty for two hours on the telephone, but she's not nearby. We can't catch up. It was the least I could do in the circumstances. Yeah. I wanted to know if within your own life and your circle of friends, whether or not you're feeling that sense of people who've perhaps stepped out of your life and a need to check in. I think there's a few points to this. I think the first being that I certainly haven't contacted anyone that I wasn't otherwise already in contact with, nor have I been contacted by anyone that I wasn't in contact with prior to having, you know, lockdowns and going into isolation. So I certainly haven't experienced that. As far as I'm aware, I also haven't had any of my girlfriends or other friends come to me and say that they've contacted ex-partners or frenemies or anything like that, people that they used to be friends with, that they'd fallen out with, that they've now got in touch with. I haven't actually experienced much of that at all and I haven't seen or heard much of it happening you know a friend of mine at work said that an ex-partner's mum had reached out to her and sort of said something like I hope you're doing okay during isolation but I think her view was sort of that that was maybe more of a bit of a not checking in in the nice friendly way that it would be if it was a friend I think it was more a prying rather than like I'm actually interested to know what this person is up to but no I haven't had any stories of that that I'm aware of. This is what I thought. 
I wonder if it's a my generation thing. And even you saying that that person had the friend's mother contact Mm. them. So, yeah, I wondered if it was not just because we have a longer history of people who've come and gone from our lives, but I wondered if it's like a my age thing because I know when I got to sort of my late 30s, I had that whole reevaluation of myself and wanting to right some wrongs from my past and fix things up and sort out some of the unwrapped ends of my life, right? Mm. And I, I think it's a stage, it's not quite your midlife crisis, which I think is more career-focused where you don't feel like you've succeeded in or your things that you wish you'd done in your life. But it's more once you have children and once you kind of see them and they start to develop their own personalities, you feel that sense of needing to right wrongs to show your children some sort of message. Right, okay, potentially, yeah. I find that really interesting because I feel like from my point of view, for people that are, you know, 20 years older, 30 years older, 40 years older, even 10 years older, so that time in life experience to go, okay, well, there's a reason why that relationship ended or that friendship ended. And there's a reason why we stopped being in contact. And that would be the reason to not reignite it, if that makes sense. Um, All of that is totally valid and correct. But bizarrely, it's not how it has panned out for me. And you'll probably recall that one of the things I did was that same friend who I used to talk to on the phone for two hours every day, we did stop speaking to each other. And on my 40th birthday was part of that was I contacted her to have coffee to see whether or not that relationship could be saved and it couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay Okay. with that because I tried, but it was actually a big part because she was such a key part of my childhood. And like I knew her from 12, we were best friends for 20 years She was the bridesmaid at my wedding and it felt weird to have these stories about her that I'd tell my children and they'd never meet her. So that's a really interesting thing. But as it turns out, what you just said is key, that the point of why the relationship had fallen apart was still valid. Mm. So tell me then about your friends who have contacted ex-friendships, ex-relationships and why and how that's gone. Well, one of my girlfriends has contacted both her ex-husband and her, one of her like first loves. And I feel like there's a certain sense of validation in it, that you're still a woman. Once you did these paths, there's a need to know with the ex-husband. I mean, this is someone who you've loved, you've had sex yeah. with, you've had like a really strong connection with. So I kind of also get that if you maybe you want to know if they've had children, if they're still alive. I feel like where that's very different for me is that I am, I can see these sorts of things on social media from certain people if I wanted to, not that I've had, you know, ex-husbands or anything like that. But if I was like, oh, I wonder what my high school boyfriend is up to, I could, I could easily enough find that out without needing to reach out in a way that would make it seem like I'm looking to rekindle something. Is, is that part of it too? I mean, is it because maybe social media or the internet or whatever doesn't play such a big part? No, in the instance of the friend I was talking about, we unfriended each other. We've never friended each other. So I've always had that funny sense of if I was to go looking for her on social media, I was kind of stalking and I was afraid that I'd come up as one of the recommended friends. So I've never done it. Yeah. It's really bizarre because at the moment also, and I bet you're the same, maybe you're the same here. Like I keep having the recommended friends come up with people who I think I know who they are. They are not on my friend list and I wonder the intent as to why they've popped up. 
But I want to get back to mm. the, the whole point of the conversation is the two friends that I have been driven to get in contact with again. One of them is a male friend. One of them is a female friend, both of which I have actually contacted and had a response from. The male friend is really interesting because it was a really positive conversation. I thought we were building a bridge and we got to a crux in the email conversation. We didn't speak to each other. And then he's just dropped out again. And the dropping out is at an exact place and space in time that I feel it's final. And I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay with that. Like it was important, I feel, to we had a bit of back and forth and that's the moment where I've gone, okay, well, the ball is effectively in his court from now on. The female friend is a, a lot more challenging. And this female friend, when I had spoken to her, had tried to take her life. She had had electroshock therapy and she was out of hospital, but every conversation we had was really distressing to me because she went from, she'd laugh in the wrong places. She'd go from high to low. She'd ask me the same question three times. All of these I know are from her medication. And then we'd speak again and she wouldn't remember any of the previous conversation. And I was finding it so difficult to check in with her, which I wanted to do because I love her. I, I couldn't. And I felt really, I've been carrying guilt over it for the last year and a half because A, she unfriended me. So I went looking for her and mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. was scared she was dead. Oh. And so I was really kind of, I, I actually sent the message to my group of girlfriends I chat with saying, I feel I, I really need to find her, but I'm scared. I'm scared because I feel like I've been a bad friend because I dropped out and I'm scared that I won't like the outcome. So I've been sitting back and forth with this decision and bizarrely it was taken out of my hands because I posted a picture to Instagram and she responded to it. I didn't even know she knew me on Instagram. She, she responded to it. So I sent her a message saying, can I send you an email? She said, I'd love to hear from you. I sent her a long email and she sent me an even longer one back. Okay. And effectively the, the best outcome of that was that she said, I can't even remember when last we spoke or what we spoke about, which is exactly right. Yeah. But I'm in a really good space right now and I'm ready to start the friendship again. Oh, wow. If she unfriended you initially, was that, but, but didn't remember conversations, I mean, was that a personal thing? And I remember in high school, there was this one person who had unfriended me and wasn't a particularly nice person and it affected me so much and I couldn't understand why. And for them, it was nothing. It was just like, a, uh, but the impact that had on the receiving end, having received that and realising that this person had done this was, was devastating. Like I found it really, really hard and then questioned everything. What had I done wrong? Why did this happen? Why would this person do that? So I'm thinking back to that instance in high school where this girl had done this and I was just so upset. I can't imagine how you would have felt not only realising that that had happened, but then fearing the worst as to why that would have happened. I think with the benefit of hindsight that she unfriended me when I changed from my name to, I called myself Jay Say for a while and I didn't have a picture of me. I was trying to have a distinctly private profile. So knowing now her mindset of not remembering, feeling there's an element of paranoia in it as well. She possibly saw this person in her friends list called Jay Say who had a flower as the emblem and thought, I don't know that person, unfriend. Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. And the interesting complex, thing is, it? It, it is it is complex, but I'm saying this with hindsight now because at the time I kind of went, oh my God, I can't believe she's unfriended me. And now that I've changed back to my name, 
that's also part of reconnecting, I think, too, because okay. all of a sudden it's very clear I'm Jen Saderhelm. And a lot of people use their first name and their middle name as their social media profiles and things like that. So back to what was it that made you want to reach out to your male friend and your female friend? Was it the fact that we've been in isolation, that we've been concerned about coronavirus, that the world has been changing, or was it something else that made you decide, I want to reach out to people? With a male friend, we had been former work colleagues and there were certain things that were happening in that tied into how we'd worked together. And it kept he kept coming up into my mind because in days gone by when our relationship was close, I would have texted or messaged him. And as it turns out, when I first contacted him, he actually said to me, I've been thinking about you too and that I've been wanting to get in contact. So that was the link to start things again. And I and actually really was, I, I was contacting him with the hope of working with him again but with my girlfriend we have a link between the two of us that means that we should stay in contact because I see her as family she's the kind of person who I am always committed to connecting with and being in contact with I see mm-hmm. her as the sister I've never had in this situation where we uh, I had the time to catch up properly which I have all this time I've sort of have been stealing myself to do because it's scary. I've been scared. I've been scared of what I'd find out. I've been scared that I wasn't up to the next conversation. So yeah, it was a really, this period of time was a catalyst to say I've got to. I think it's funny though, because I'm sure there will be so, so many people who would not, would struggle knowing that a friend of theirs was struggling and themselves start to feel the emotional and mental impacts of that. And, and therefore no wonder it would have been so hard for communication to continue at a time when someone was hurting and then that was hurting you. And you're right. It's very interesting to see what this period of time of reflection and in how many instances it may have torn relationships apart because you think about the you know relationships where the couples used to see each other each weekend and they live in different places and they haven't been able to see each other and I don't know you wonder about the friendship groups where half of them have lost their jobs and the other half haven't and perhaps there's some sort of resentment there I wonder if there's been instances like that and again maybe I feel lucky that I haven't had that I've, you know, done like Zoom meetings. I think everyone has been doing Zoom meetings with groups of friends that are all in different areas and we've all kind of hooked up and all had a chat and FaceTime with family and over Easter time and when there's been events and stuff on, we've been family members. We've all been able to do that group family chat. A friend of mine at work organised a family trivia. I think there was 10 of them or something and in most instances it's brought people more together. It's, It's enhanced contact with people that you already had contact with. But I really am interested that in some instances it's actually made people either A, reach out or B, stop the relationship. Yeah, it's true. And I'm also doing a separate podcast with three mutual friend of, uh, two mutual friends plus another person. And every single time, Kirsty, when we finish that recording, and you'll know one of them is not a huggy person, he's quite a, he's reserved and we all get to the end of it and we're like, God, that feels so good. It feels so good to be together, just to yeah. be together. It doesn't matter yeah. what we're talking about. It's, it's just the being together and having a conversation with somebody nonstop. So I do think there's definitely, in this instance, a generational thing about where you get to a certain age and you seek to need contact from people you've lost contact with or have reasons for having lost contact with. It's a thing. and you 
tapped on something that I think is the key point here that I don't want to get in contact with those people with whom I don't have those thoughts about, right? So you know how you were saying about that friend in high school and the baggage you carried when they unfriended you? It's Mm -hmm. people that you have the unresolved issues. And the hard Mm. thing sometimes is that they don't. It makes it even worse at a later date because you want to touch base again thinking that they would have some sort of unresolved issue, but they don't. And so it, it sort of manifests it all over again. But um, I feel for my couple of girlfriends, and I mean, bearing in mind, I'm in a place in my life right now where a lot of my friendship, my, my girlfriend's marriages and relationships are breaking down and they're starting new ones and there's all of that journey. But sometimes when you come out of a relationship and you're at that low, low point, the validation of someone who used to love you feels good. Mm, mm. And I think that for my, some of my friends who are single, that's a factor. I feel like for a lot of people in, within their 20s, that validation comes from a like on an Instagram post or a follow on, a, on I don't know, Twitter or Facebook or something like that. But I think for the most part, that validation is potentially being sought from or being given via social media channels rather than actual communication. Mm. Like why not just send them a message and say, hey, how are you, and catch up that way? Yeah, it's such a weird thing. Mm -hmm. I also feel like because of the fraught nature of social media when you aren't in contact with people, the messages can get really muddy. Do you think there's anyone that you will, as a result of having this time to think and having these relationships and friendships to to think back on and this time when you're not doing as much as maybe you used to be doing, do you think there's anyone else that you want to reach out to because you miss them or you miss what you used to have there? The interesting question is that I have one other serious ex-boyfriend, but I've never not been in contact with this person. We don't, we haven't actually spoken to each other for, it's probably the same time frame. It's been two years of busyness and every now and then we like each other's posts, but that's been the extent of it. But in this period of time, we've had a messenger catch up longer one. That was nice and positive, but there was no intent or motive behind it. But it was much longer than what I think we would have had if we weren't in this COVID situation. But Mm. other than that, I am sitting there as we speak because I'm trying to schedule longer conversations with people I can't see that I should catch up with, but not because we have baggage. Yeah, so just because you want to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I will say what I have found interesting is a lot of people, not a lot of people, there's a handful of people that I feel like I know more about what they're up to and what they're doing now than I did before COVID-19 because they are more active on their social media in terms of posting what they're doing each day, part of it being because they're at home and, well, you know, you know, a lot of people are doing that. They're posting home workouts or they're posting cooking things or they're posting their work at home and all that sort of stuff or they're posting fun, other creative things that they might be doing. But I really feel like I have a better insight into the day-to-day lives of some people now because of coronavirus. That's interesting. 
there seems to be this sort of trend where there's quite a lot of, as I said, there's quite a lot of people, people aren't, you know, going out to the pub and having drinks on the weekend and posting a photo with their friends. So instead they're posting a photo of them cooking at home or playing board games with a family member or something. And it's those things that normally I wouldn't see. I wouldn't normally mm. see that posted on Facebook or posted on Instagram. I'm seeing more of it now and it's more of a real insight into their life. Um, and so I feel connected to those people in that sense because as, as kind of roundabout as it, as it is, even though I might not be directly communicating with them all day, every day, or even once a day, once a week, I am seeing what they're up to and feel like I'm totally up to date with what some of them are doing. It must be really hard being Auntie Kirsty not seeing your sister. Interestingly, again, I think I've spoken to my sister and my nephew more during this COVID-19 crisis than prior to that. We usually FaceTime once a week. Each Friday has normally been our day. We've been in touch quite a bit and we even did one of those family Zoom meetings around Easter. It was mum and dad and my partner and I and my sister's husband and my sister and my nephew and we are actively catching up more. And part of it may be because my sister's still on maternity leave, so it's just her and my nephew for long chunks of the day. And so when we can take out those few hours for her, it's great because she's a very, very social person. So prior to coronavirus, every single day there would be at least something, a mother's class or something with Jonah or catching up with friends or coffee here or um, church here or doing the bookstore, whatever it was that she was doing. And so she's lost a lot of that. And so I'm very conscious of let's like lock in like a day a week and that is your thing for that day. So it's really hard not seeing them, but we also get sent photos and videos and things all the time. And it's really, really nice seeing my nephew's face like light up when we think he's hearing us or we think he's understanding us. And I mean, he might not be, but he's very animated and he responds to things. So if, if I was to talk to him on FaceTime and sing him a song or something like that, or if my mum and dad were to talk in baby goo-goo voice to him, he would often crack a smile or a giggle or something. So it's a very different world. In, in the confines of what we can do at the moment, I feel like it's, for me anyway, it's been a really good way to keep up that contact with my nephew who I haven't seen for, you know, six months. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's hard when he's, he's not even one year old yet. That's hard because you miss all these big kind of life milestones. But yes, I have to say, while it's been hard, I feel like we've actually kept in contact more so because of coronavirus. There you go. That's actually what I was wondering. And I'm so happy to hear that. And um, no one can see your face while we're discussing this, but you, I reckon you lit up more than Jonah does, (laughs) which is really nice. And again, really important. And these are the positives that have come out of it in terms of, while I was talking about friends who I'm trying to reconnect with, the ones that we have in our current and present life, some of them I've gotten to know, as you've said, a lot better. And that's also really the biggest positive for me that's come out of coronavirus. And one thing I also have to add, and one of my friends will laugh at this when she hears this, she sends voice memos. It's like having a phone call, except you're just talking each, like she'll talk for a couple of minutes and send it and then I'll talk back. So it's not quite a text message because you're not sending it like pages, pages long and then reading pages, pages long and then spending the time writing it back. And she started sending me these voice memos a little while ago, possibly pre-COVID-19. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is really fun. So I started doing it back. And I know she does it with some of her other friends and we're now up to the point where, I mean, when I get talking, I don't stop. So the other day I sent her one that was nine minutes long, nine minutes 
slump. If you put that into a text message, like can you imagine nine minutes worth of conversation written down? Wow. Yes, but I have to say I'm actually loving it. I'm really loving it. And so I'm going to try implementing voice memos for other of my friends that I don't do it with to say, hey, let's do this because you can get so much more out. You only have to, like, you know, rather than sitting for five minutes writing a text message and trying to think of everything to say, you can just send it as a voice memo as though you were speaking on the phone. And I've actually found that a great way to keep in contact and communicate. So that's also been a big benefit for me as a result of this. And that isn't really related to coronavirus because you can do that outside of of COVID-19 and it's a great way to keep in touch with people regardless. But yeah, I've really been enjoying the voice memos. So I think I'll have to keep that up too. Yeah. Well, I I think that's totally related into it. I have a friend of mine in particular with whom I only share voice memos. Oh, you do Well, he is blind. Right. So oh. as a running joke, the, yeah, it's been voice memos back and forth and it's actually, I like that. oh yes, so do I, so do I. And it's really nice to have that different message system with that person that works yeah. for him. When I send him a text message, it's translated to audio anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it takes out that step. But you know, the other thing that I think it's been beneficial for, and with my friend Ellie, who I do them with, we never have this problem in the first place. But I know sometimes I read messages from friends and I don't know how to take the tone of it. And mm. I'll be confused if, they've, if there's like dot, dot, dots after a sentence. And I'll think, is that like, what is that ellipsis? What punctuation? Why are they saying that? Why is the exclamation mark there? And I've said before, my sister's always made the comment to me that I'm very emotive in text messages. So I will send an exclamation mark at the end of everything and to her she's like she takes that as hey how are you what are you doing I'm good whereas some people might think that it's like hey like hello are you there like almost that yelling kind of the exclamation that someone's making that's the other thing that I think it just completely takes out all concern about tone of the message or the meaning that you're trying to get across because you actually just say it as though you're talking it's so interesting you say this because absolutely like your sister, when you'd send me messages with your exclamations at the end, I hear your voice. I hear it. Like it's like you <laughs> sent me a voice memo because of how you speak. Because you do, by nature, speak with exclamation marks at the end of your sentences. Yes. So but like it, a happy exclamation, yes, not like yes. a, No, yeah. no. I wholly agree with you. But then, I mean, I have done this with you for such a long time that I literally hear it in Kirsty pace. So I hear you yeah. saying it to me, da, 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 and happy, happy, but it's very you and it's very how yeah. you speak as well. So yeah, yeah. this has been, I yeah. miss you and really interested to know if I'm right on this generational gap perspective on getting in touch with people you have a unresolved matter with. I miss you. That wraps up another episode of 2040, a podcast celebrating friendship across generations. You can contact Kirsty or I via our 20-40 Facebook page or email 20-40, that's all written, at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, thoughts, questions and ideas for future podcasts. Thank you for listening. 